heartbreak. Heartbreak and hot pot. Hot pot and heartbreak. Heartbreak and hot pot. Hot pot. Hot pot. Heartbreak. Heartbreak and hot pot. Heartbreak and hot pot. Hot pot. Hot. China. Hot. Heart. Break. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. This is episode four of Heartbreak and Hot Pot. How I lost 45 pounds in six months. In episode three, we talked about the loss of my son, Dan, and the some of the impact of, of that on my life and the life of others. In this episode, we're going to jump into uh, you know some tributes to Dan and what happened with my life after the passing of, of Dan. So first, the uh, NFL Network tribute. Dan's boss is Chris Rose. As I mentioned before, Chris is the lead on-air personality for NFL Game Day. Really nice guy. And uh, so he called and said that they were going to do a tribute to Dan on the show that evening that we, we needed to watch. I thought they'd do in like an information crawl across the bottom of the screen, you know, while the show is going on. But... <laughs> It was much more. So Trish and I sat there in front of the screen waiting, and it, it was just beautiful. Wow. This flip and the flip. That's a beautiful flip. Man. Brandon Cooks, 98 yards receiving. What about Michael Floyd? He got it done as well against Seattle before he left with an injured hammy. And there is Brandon Cooks as well. He had two scores for the Saints. Uh, guys, I, I think we all feel pretty fortunate to be in this business. We get to talk about the game we love each and every week. And what you people get to see uh, is the product of the hard work of the good men and women who work not only on Sundays, but the entire week uh, getting these shows ready. Unfortunately, uh, we are hurting a little bit here at NFL Network. Uh, we lost a good friend, uh, a good teammate here in Dan Steele this week. Uh, Dan was just 22. He was really just starting his career. Uh, spent the last two seasons with us. First full season as a production assistant. Part of his job was uh, to work very closely with me on Sundays to make sure that uh, he would get us the, the highlights in the right order and to make sure that these shows were pointed in the right direction, even when chaos was breaking out around us during these shows. Uh, Dan did an amazing job, and he did it with the right kind of attitude. Uh, we are going to miss him. Our condolences go out to his brother, Elliot, and his parents, Trish and Kevin. You guys did a great job. You raised one heck of a young man. Uh, Dan Steele, a lot of us saw you only on Sundays. We will think of you every day, and we will miss you, buddy. We love you. God bless you, Steele. What a beautiful tribute. And then, if, if, if you heard at the end... God bless your Steel family. That was the, you know, as I mentioned before, Ladanian Tomlinson, the amazing San Diego Chargers running back, and just such a nice guy. He and Dan had developed a, a bit of a relationship, and, you know, he just says, God bless you, Steel family. That <laughs> kills me every time. I can't think about Chris, Rose, or Ladanian without, I mean, it was so touching. It was so meaningful and so human. God bless you, Steel family. Such a simple, beautiful phrase. Means means so much. I'll always thank both of you. It was just so heartfelt. So then back home, what was going on? Well, things were going downhill. 
my wife was asking me to leave. And my son Elliot, I mean, it's just not just me. Elliot heard it too. <laughs> he kept asking why. I don't know what happened. And I mean, we had lived kind of separate lives, but we always got along, you know, but the pressure of losing Dan, maybe it was just too much. You know, this was another pivotal point <laughs> in my life. So we hired a real estate agent to sell the house, and she moved in quickly. And she told, you know, we had to do a lot of things very fast. And I had to get rid of my favorite couch. <laughs> I mean, it was just crazy. You know, my life, as I'd known it, was officially over. I was going into another chapter. I was leaving all my friends. I I, I know it. I was moving an hour away, but an hour away means you're not doing the. 4.30, 5 a.m. mountain biking. You're not doing the sunrise kayaking. You're not doing all these things that, that you know, I don't know. You, Why am I saying you know? Anyway, so I moved to Vista, California, which is where I worked, you know, north San Diego County. I took all my belongings to this new residence. Uh, I had a, a townhome that I was renting. Uh, anyway, my wife couldn't take the pugs or Clark the desert tortoise because she had a rental that didn't allow pets, so I took them. Bella and Buster the pugs and Clark the desert tortoise. And I, I worked and I drank wine and I drank wine and I worked. I was just three minutes from the office now, so instead of all that um, elaborate workout routine that I went through before and I would get to the office at 7 I was rolling out of bed at 7.30, taking a shower, and getting to the office by 8, which is when we were expected to be at our, our desks. I'd go home at lunch, I'd walk the dogs, and I'd sleep for like half an hour. Then I'd go back to work. I just hated working now. I, I couldn't focus. Then we were sold to a company called Primo Water. So I had worked at Glacier Water. We, we were the biggest provider of vended water you know so you would take your five gallon jug to a machine outside or inside you know grocery store and you'd fill it up so i worked my ass off i enjoyed my job it was challenging in 2015 i received a perfect review from my boss the ceo and the president for the prior year our our head of hr asked me how i did that no one had ever received a perfect rating from him. He was a tough boss. He held everyone accountable, and I was accountable. It was all effort. My results weren't always perfect or they're far from it, but my effort was off the charts, I think. So I hold, like I said, I hold myself accountable. You have to hold yourself accountable. There's no other way to approach work. So we'd launch a new venture inside the company with bagged ice it was self-bagging ice machines you had a ice maker on the top it would drop the ice down into the machine that would bag the ice to the correct weight seal it and then drop it down into the merchandiser where you would come by with a shopping cart and pick up a 10 pound bag of ice no deliveries anymore i mean think about all the trucks off the road all the and ice is a huge margin item for for retailers so i was in charge of the effort you know of course brian was in charge but it was my job to handle all the day-to-day -day from r d to field support documentation 
it was really a great thing. I, it was a full-time job. I usually worked through every weekend on the phone supporting our 400-plus field guys and women as they dealt with all the challenges of this. I mean, this was much more complex equipment than water machines. There was so much more going on. They'd call in. We never left anybody stranded. I, I would try to help them with the problem they had. If I needed to, I'd try to contact our software guys or whatever. Then we were bought by a company called Primo Water, late 2016. They were the biggest provider of five-gallon bottle, five bottle water exchange. Uh, they the, the company was started by the guy that started Blue Rhino, which was the origination of propane exchange. And when he sold that business, he started with water. So you can see them. Like right now, you could walk into a Home Depot or a Lowe's, if you're listening to this in 2023, and you'll see you know their, their big exchange racks where you bring in your empty bottle, drop it, and then pick up a new full five-gallon bottle. That was Primo Water. So everything changed when they bought us. They were run by a, a group of type A individuals. They really knew their business, and they were superb at it, I guess. But they didn't get ours, and we moved too slow for them. They just didn't understand our business. They didn't understand the regulations we had. They didn't understand, you know, <laughs> anyway. <laughs> we moved a lot slower. We were glacier-like, glacier water. <laughs> we made our decisions watertight. It was all about risk management. And they wanted fast changes. It was hard to do in our segment. So Primo and I lasted a year. But in that year, I went to China. <laughs> and that changed my diet. Uh, just, they asked me to go. I was going to a trade show where you could see all new technologies, things that might change our business. So that was the primary reason for it. But it was just amazing. The people in China were so nice, and the, the architecture was amazing. Um, I was in an area called Guangzhou. It's, it's just inland from Hong Kong, and it's a huge industrial area. And I was working with a company called Medea. And Medea is probably the largest company in the world. They don't talk about it much because of the the way business is handled in China, but every refrigerator, your refrigerator was made by Medea. I don't care what it says on the fridge with, you know, the name it was made by Medea. So, uh, when I was in China, I had my new favorite meal, Chinese hot pot. You, you go into a restaurant, they give you, uh, there's this, this, uh, pot that sits in front of you on an induction plate and it starts boiling, and it's got seasoning in the water. The, you know, it can be any flavor you want. It can be a, a pickled thing. It can be whatever. But you know, I like spicy, spa, sp ugh, sorry, spicy, spicy hot. It's kind of like fondue, if you can picture that a communal situation. You drop your your vegetables, your beef your pork, your shrimp, your udon noodle, <laughs> noodles, your, your mushrooms. You just drop this stuff into the broth, and it cooks almost instantly, and then you pull it out with your chopsticks and eat it. It's just amazing. It's so clean and simple. So that's when I learned about hot pot, and I also learned about eating king cobra, 
drinking King Cobra venom, sucking the insides out of scorpions, other delicacies. I didn't have any chicken feet. They just looked too horrible to me. It was quite the experience. I, I couldn't believe I'd grown up on casseroles and Velveeta cheese when I ran into this. There so many better ways to eat than some of the things I'd experienced. I came home. As soon as I landed, I checked my texts, and I, I learned that my pug buster had just passed away as I was traveling. Oh, I was shattered. Life was depressing again. Just me and Bella. Clark, the tortoise, had rejoined Trish. She wanted a low-maintenance pet. She didn't tell her landlord. <laughs> so it was me and Bella and the wine. Then I bought a house. I really, I just needed a change. Uh, I, I bought a house on a hill in Vista where, you know, it was like probably half a mile from my town home that I'd rented. And uh, I had a great view. It was uh, not the ocean. It was towards the mountains behind. Uh, I had views of the mountains to the east and the canyon. I had a canyon right right below me. I mean, I was on a canyon. The, the coyotes went nuts at night. I went out and bought a new electric guitar. I decorated the house. My, uh, well, Trish, my ex-wife, she's an interior designer. So she had the couch recovered. It looked new. It was amazing. It was so nice of her. I bought a used hot tub for the backyard. I was just trying to build a life. I bought a pool table that converted into a dining table. <laughs> like I was going to have guests over for a big formal dinner. <laughs> so then I was on the dating apps again. You know, I, I kept thinking there was somebody out there for me. And after several months of trying, I did find somebody. Her name was Sharon. She used to date my best friend. We used to go fishing together. We used to go mountain biking together. We One day we were mountain biking, the three of us, on a trail behind Laguna Beach. And she could, she just took a dive into a cactus. And Brian had to pull the, the quills out of her body. Oh, jeez. Quite the experience. She was beautiful. I mean, I loved women of all types. But she had this amazing curly, flowing hair. And all of a sudden she was on this dating app. <laughs> I called I called her asking if she was available for lunch. and we, we went and had lunch and great conversation. The next six months were off the rails. We just partied way too much. We fed off each other, our, our own you know, <laughs> predilection towards drinking. She was really critical of almost all my actions. I really wasn't her type. She liked tall, grizzly, bear men. You know, big beards, big hands, and I was just average size, and I wasn't aggressive. I, you know, one day she got in an argument with her neighbor uh, on the first floor. She was on the second floor of a condo. He was blasting music. It was just loud, loud up in our place or her place, I should say. She she wanted me to go put him in his place. <laughs> That's not who I am, really. I went down to talk to him. He said it was revenge for the noise we made last night. We were fooling around. This guy was from England. He was about five feet two. I was much bigger. I could probably have just pounded him into dust, but that's not me. I gave him my cell phone number, asked him to call me if there was any more noise. I don't know how the sound of our lovemaking could have made it all the way to his bedroom, but, but I guess it did somehow. When I returned, Sharon asked if I punched him, and I told her I'd given him my cell number. She was pissed off she asked how she you know 
She she said she had biker friends that she call right now who just beat his ass. And she didn't let go for a long time. She told her friends we'd be at dinner. They were disgusted by my weakness when they heard the tale. Why was I with her? I, I just don't get it. Then they really started to fall apart. Everything. Things. that We argued a lot. She'd take shots at me for weird things. Like when I drove the car, my head was tilted too far back. When I cooked, I got salt and pepper on the counter. She said I never cleaned up, which is complete bullshit. I, I clean like crazy. I, I can't stand the mess. I have no idea what she was talking about. There, but there's some kind of pattern developing, right? I mean, with women and me. I'm a gift giver. She once showed me a Gucci purse online that she had a, a Western cowboy look. I bought it that night for her for about $5,500. She was happy, but she suspected it was a fake you know, it did have the serial number where it was supposed to. We took it to the Gucci store in South Coast Plaza, the mall in uh, Southern California, big one. They did their best to confirm that it was an original, you know, so she kept it for a while. I mean, they didn't say it wasn't. We broke up after the Las Vegas and then the Idaho incidents. Uh, her son's fiance had been in an accident. Her car was totaled. You know, so for some reason, Sharon decided to give them her car an Audi station wagon, really nice vehicle. We were going to drive it up to them and then fly home. So I drove. I drove the way I drive, fast and efficient, and she didn't like it. She, I mean, it's kind of like Trish. I mean, she didn't, she didn't enjoy how I drove. It became more and more of an argument as we went. And by the time we arrived, I said I was just going to go straight to the airport. You, know, you can finish the short drive to your son's house. She convinced me to stay because they were expecting me you know, we were going to meet. She had a normal guy to show her son. <laughs> you know, normal. She'd actually said it a number of times. I was not this burly, self-centered, psychotic, you know, like the one she'd had in her past. I was normal. So we went and spent some time at their house. We went to the hotel I'd reserved. It was in a suite. Nothing but the best for her. We We were meeting them for dinner at the casino we were staying at. So she got all made up, and she just looked amazing. So we went to dinner. had a great time. It was fun talking to the, you know, her son and her future daughter-in-law. I felt like I was getting back in the good graces. I thought things were going really well, and I you know, I paid for dinner. I'm sorry, I'm not bragging, but I had picked the wine, so you got to pay for dinner. Sharon and her the fiancé went to the bathroom, and apparently the fiancé said I was a really nice guy, and she wanted to know what my story was. And so Sharon gave her the highlights, the loss of Dan, the divorce, our romance. And then a woman came out of the stalls, with the bathroom stalls, and said that she was a therapist, and Sharon should get the hell away from me. So we parted ways with the kids. Then she told me the story of this therapist. She was really upset about it. Why was she even with me? You know, even strangers thought I had problems. <laughs> oh, my God. What's what's wrong with me? So we were walking back to the room, and we stopped and played blackjack. Kind of as a distraction. You know, it was fun. But after about 45 minutes, Sharon started talking. You know, she started saying really rude things to the dealer. I told her to stop. And she kept going. I think she was just drunk and aggressive, which, you know, obviously she, she can get aggressive when she's been drinking. The pit boss was coming closer, just staring at us. I told her again with more force to stop it. 
And then she grabbed her chip, you know, all her chips, and she stood up and, and walked away. Walked around the corner, and then she just laid into me. Oh, my God, I'd never heard anything like this before. I mean, the thing she was saying about me, you know, it was the culmination of everything that happened through the day, the driving and the drinking. I mean, she was mean as hell. I mean, she said things to me that I, I couldn't believe. I went, she, then she marched off, so I went back to the room. I was worried about her because she... <laughs> She had nothing. She just was the clothes she was wearing, you know. So I checked my phone and my battery was dead. I didn't even have a charger. I always have a charger. <laughs> so then I started thinking about it. I realized I had a computer so I could call her on Facebook Messenger. So I did. When she answered, she laid into me for not adding her name to the room at check in. I mean, she'd asked the, the front desk for what room number she was in, and they wouldn't tell her because she wasn't on the room. You know, she, her name wasn't there. I mean, who the hell adds a second name at check-in? I've never added anybody, my ex-wife, my kids, nobody to the list of people checking into a room. You know, nobody's expected to just march away screaming and, and not know where your room is. You know, so I gave her the room number, <laughs> believe it or not. And then she stormed in after I opened the door. And she went to the bedroom and she locked the door. So I was sleeping on this uncomfortable couch, no blanket, no bathroom. She had the temperature temperature controls. She had a big comfortable bed. I was paying. I don't know why the hell I didn't go get another room, but <laughs> I just martyr, you know, I'm a martyr. The next morning, she allowed me to use the shower. She said we're going to go meet her son and daughter-in-law for breakfast before flying home. I agreed to go to maintain the semblance of a normal relationship for the you know for the whole weekend for her son. He was a nice guy, really nice guy. Then we flew home in silence. When we got there, I drove her to the store to pick up a few things, and I drove her home. She was really complaining that she had no car now. I think she was asking me to buy her one, but I didn't care. I was so sick of it. Then after about three weeks, she invited me to her grandfather's lake house in Idaho. It was for a week. And she said that we would just be friends. I don't know why she asked me. I mean, <laughs> she had said in the past that she adored me. You know, so even with all the abuse, I think she liked me a little bit. But she said we wouldn't sleep together. You know, I had my own room. So why not? I was a glutton for punishment. I really thought there was some way to make it work. Um... I really love being with a woman. <laughs> Made me feel whole. So I know this doesn't make sense, but remember the tale of the dating apps and all the swiping? I was actually with somebody. I didn't want to go back to that. You know, she was someone who I think didn't like me much, but she stayed with me. The lake was beautiful. We went and got some groceries, some vodka. <laughs> the next day the arguing started it just never stopped. I don't recall the details. It was just nasty. I made chicken dinner that night. She laid into me about the salt and pepper again. I had no idea what she was talking about. I don't know. She said she hated the dinner. The fighting got worse. By the third day, I said I was leaving. I was just done with it. I grabbed my stuff and went to the vehicle. She was grabbing my suitcase, you know, to, and yank, trying to yank it away from me. We wrestled over my suitcase. I, I had to physically yank it away from her, throw it in the back of the vehicle, and took off. I booked a flight for the next morning, got a hotel room, went out for a great dinner on my own. I was just relaxed. And then the next morning, before I got in the flight, she called 
said we needed to work this out. So I I agreed. I'm just a sucker. I love love. And I, I'd already returned the rental vehicle, so I went and got another one. I got a Forerunner. Toyota. I, I drove the 45 minutes back to the lake house. After about three hours, we started arguing again. And it just got worse, and I left. And then, then a repeat of everything. I went to the airport. Before I boarded, she called again, asked me to come work it out. I said, okay. I arrived. She was naked in the hot tub outside. You know, we started talking. I wasn't distracted by the nudity. Her breasts were floating on top of the water. Yeah, I just then started to go into angry arena almost right away. She screamed at me. She'd never been to the lake house with a guy and not had sex. I told her that she'd clearly told me we were friends and not lovers. She told me that she had slept with friends at the house. I believe in love. Casual sex is something I hadn't done since college. When was intimacy supposed to happen when we were arguing all the time? The yelling got worse, and for some reason I threw my shoes into the lake. <laughs> Pretty weird move, I admit. You know, th- shoes in the water move designed to show just how angry you are. I got back in the vehicle for the last time. There was no way this was going to work. And the next morning I flew home, almost exactly six six months from the day we started dating. She'd always said that if you make it six months, then... It's a solid relationship. So we had almost made it. Thank goodness we didn't. So she stayed at the lake house for her son's wedding, uh, which was, you know, I was never intended to be part of that. She didn't want me in the pictures in case we broke up. She didn't want a random guy there. So when she returned, she texted me. She asked how much the Gucci purse had cost, and I, I told her. I asked her if she was selling it, and she said, yes, yeah, she needed the money. She'd brought my golf clubs back with her. You know, we'd taken them as the, uh, just one set to play with. Uh, she needed to play around with her son, so I'd left them with her. I asked her to leave the, the clubs on her porch. When I arrived, she was waiting for me. She asked if we could go to lunch and talk, so I said, okay. I don't know what's wrong with me. We went to lunch. While we were talking, my friend, her former lover, Brian, called me. It was a beautiful day. We were going to go hang out in the boat and said, you, you want to come? So that's hard to resist. It's a 43-foot, well-lived-in Bertram sport fisher. Picked up a case of Pacifico, drove over there, took the boat out to the harbor and anchored with some friends, you know, three boats there. Enjoyed the sun and water, just hanging out, swimming. Sharon and I didn't talk much. I went and got dinner for everyone. It was really nice, nice people. We decided to sleep on the boat that night. I went up on the flybridge under the stars where I usually slept on the boat. Uh, Sharon slept in one of the cabins. The next day I drove her home. We hugged goodbye. And then after a week about, you know, thinking about everything, I wrote her and said it was all over. I was just completely over. I couldn't take it anymore. It just didn't make any sense. I quoted a remark she'd once made to me that I was a complete loser, didn't deserve her. She wrote back saying she had no idea where they came from, but okay, it's over. Then she ghosted me on social media. She had all her friends who'd become mutual friends. They all ghosted me. Women sure know how to get rid of you, which you'll find out more about in the the next episode. But ghosting's not a casual move. It really hurts, especially when it's an entire group of people. What is my worth if one failed relationship causes a bunch of people to not like me anymore? (laughs) Anyway, that's the end of 
episode four. In episode five, we're going to jump into a much deeper, much more troubling relationship that is uh, probably the second biggest heartbreak in my life after Dan. So if you have any questions for me or you want to reach out, you can get me at Kevin, K-E-V-I-N, at hotpotforlife.com, H-O-T-P-O-T-F-O-R-L-I-F-E.com. And, uh, you know, just let me, any feedback you have, or if you want to share your story, you know, I can share it here on the podcast. Um, I appreciate you listening. If you will, if you enjoy this, share it with a friend, please. And, and I'll talk to you real soon. Take care. Hot pot. Went to China and hot pot. Hot, hot pot in China. China, hot pot. Don't you know hot pot there's a lot of heartbreak involved here, but it's hot pot, China, and hot pot, hot pot, China, heartbreak.